Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A tale of two cities. I love how that was described, but really, that's what we've been seeing in this market. You're either getting rain or you're not getting rain. The warmer temperatures are there. We've got some strong global demand. Brazil is seeing great exports of their soybeans coming out of South America, going to China, of course. And what I thought was interesting, the winter wheat was a leader in the overnight trade. In fact, maybe because it's been too wet in the south and harvest has had some issues. Not only that, we're going to flip gears on the livestock side. We know cow-calf pairs and older cows are starting to come to market in the areas of the Dakotas. What does that bode for the livestock market? We're going to hit that in a lot more during today's segment. As Darren Fry is joining us, he is with Water Street Solutions. So looking at this, I want to start there, the tale of two cities, because I really think that puts this grain market in a nutshell. Yeah, it really does. Susan, thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate it and uh, always like to uh, uh, visit with you about markets. But the tale of two cities really is about our weather pattern. You know, you see this tremendous wet pattern down in the Delta, the Mid-South, Southern U.S., very wet, complicating. You know, I'm even hearing some prevent plant could happen in cotton because they just can't get it in. But also um, problematic for the wheat harvest, right? Just the guys are really trying to slug through this stuff. The wheat, it's raining all the time, just way too wet in the fields. And then you, you move north and, and let's go clear north over Peoria, Illinois, way past. You got the upper Midwest and then the northern plains and then kind of out where you are, uh, west of you, that's experiencing this drier, warmer weather. And I know lots of places in central Nebraska have gotten some recent rains and things look pretty good, but you don't have to go too far to experience pretty droughty conditions. And, uh, then you have the stuff in between, and that's where Peoria is and parts of Missouri and Indiana, where it's as close to ideal as you can get. And uh, that is the tale of two cities. you got this extreme, and the central part of the country seems to be avoiding each one of those extremes. And so it's pretty interesting here as we fight these weather forecasts. And this is something, I mean, we have weather markets every year, but it seems like this year, as we were talking last week during this program, there's a lot of... Um, attention, I think, being brought more to a weather market because it's happening so much earlier than what we've seen. Yeah, and I I think that's for a couple reasons, too. I mean, it's not normally this early. It'd be normally a June 25th, maybe a July 10th, that people get pretty nervous about the weather during that pollination phase of the corn plant. But, you know, this year, I think you have the backdrop that started last, you know, June with that huge purchase of, of China buying corn. And we've seen them take beans, not only from us, but a tremendous amount of beans from China, or excuse me, from uh, South America here in the month of May. Uh, their, their, um, you know, purchases were as large as, as their record month in 2017 in May of that year. And so, They've just been gobbling up stuff. And in addition to this huge demand, we see domestic demand come around. Ethanol margins are improving, so that's good. But then you see the situation where we started the year out. I mean, this drought in the Northwest is not a surprise. I mean, they've been running deficits since last September. And we've seen that the soil moisture has just gotten down to critical levels. And now they're running with these droughty type of hot, dry weather forecasts. And so I think it, it merits getting weather premium into the market earlier this year than what we would see normal. So demand and deficits in the soils and now a weather problem on our front doorstep has caused that. 
Well, let's talk about that strong global demand. I mean, we know we've seen it here in the U.S. with products movement, but we've also seen it globally. And, and you talked earlier about Brazil and the amount of beans that they're exporting to China. It just kind of sets the tone for what we're seeing in the trade this this early summer. Yeah, it really does. You know, if you take a look at China and what they've imported January through May, it's just a little over 38 million metric tons. And that's up 3% on the 2017 year's record. And we expect arrivals in June and July to be probably around 10 million metric tons each. And so this pace is just uh, tremendous. And so we know they've had poor crush margins, and we've talked about their ASF problems but they seem to want the bean spill. And I think that we're going to be back into that market selling them beans sooner than I thought. I thought that might be September, October, but it could be August, September now, the way they're taking beans out of Brazil. So no let up there, and we know they're short on feed grains because of how much wheat and rice they've had to, you know, release or auction off, and they continue to have an appetite for corn and wheat on the world market. And you see that with what they bought from us, but also what they've been buying from Ukraine. Do you think they're going to be back in the market anytime soon to, to be purchasing from the U.S.? Yeah, I do. I think their soybean program will start up here in June for our fall, and I think they have more corn to purchase here for the August-September time slot. So I do think they'll be back in for some more stuff, even though they bought quite a bit. You talked also a little bit about the, the strong ethanol margins that we've seen, and now that things have been lifted and folks are back out on the roads, hopefully that, that climate and attitude will continue. Yeah, you know, you can only hope for that, but you, you are seeing you know what has been a pretty dismal uh, industry here since COVID hit a year and a few months ago just been devastated and we saw those big drop-offs last March and April in ethanol production we've really seen a lot of that gain back and now we're seeing really good margins and so the whole biofuels industry under this current administration is is going strong and uh, especially over in the bean oil and the biofuel side of diesel but uh, both are really firing on all cylinders so that's pretty exciting for the use of soybean oil and corn into renewable fuels definitely keeps that attitude going and, and, and keeps some positive outlook for these corn and bean growers out there as a the crop grows. Absolutely. Well, stick around, folks. We're going to come back. We're going to continue with part two here in just a moment. Darren Fry is joining us. Again, he is with Water Street. When we come back, we're going to kind of flip gears a little bit. We're going to look at what's been happening on the livestock side, but we will talk about winter wheat before we hit the livestock. Lots of interesting things happening. How much of that is setting a tone as well as we head into the summer months and demand for those proteins? More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue this conversation with Darren Fry. He's with Water Street Solutions and wanted to know winter wheat, it took the lead overnight and that's kind of been the, the water cooler talk of late as, as some areas are finally getting some rain, but others are getting too much rain and we're seeing a delay in the harvest. Yeah. You know, wheat is, is kind of one of those animals that, uh, you know, you really have to have a problem in the Black Sea area, you know, where the world price is set. But we've had enough issues in the Canadian prairies and up in our northern plains. And now with too wet to even get this harvest out down in the Mid-South and the Delta area, that I think wheat is starting to have uh, that story. However, the GFS went a little bit cooler and wetter, I guess more wet than cool, here at midday. And obviously wheat was up strong 
and then all finish lower on the day. But I think that's temporary. I think we got a good market coming in wheat here over the next several months, and I'm bullish wheat. And I think that we're going to go up led by some of the spring wheat problems. But also, it's dry over in southern Russia and the Ukrainian area, the Black Sea area. And I think all the spring crops are going to be supporting the market from that standpoint. Their winter wheat crop looks great over there, but the spring crops are the ones that are challenged, just like ours here in the U.S. We talked in the first segment about the weather issues and i know that earlier today i saw on twitter that one sale barn in north dakota was going to have a thousand cow calf pairs that's two thousand head of cattle that are coming to to a sale barn and we've been talking over the last couple of weeks how as this drought continues in the dakotas in montana and parts of colorado we're going to start to see an influx of these cattle coming to market short term a bigger issue or long term are we going to have to rory you know, it's a it's a great question, and I and I agree with you. It's it's a shortage of feed right out west and northwest, and and we know that hay acres are way down, and we have been moving acres away from hay for a long time, and then just the pastures are really dry, and so I think you are going to have more cow calf tears come to market as people just don't have the feed for them, and you know the market, the cattle market's really in a precarious place because we got this huge demand for box beef, no different than the cutout for pork. But the pork complex has responded. The beef complex hasn't. And our feedlots are not current. And that's just because the packer can't get the employees or the employment to get the kills ramped up enough to get those guys caught up in their currency on the feedlot numbers. And so we keep thinking, boy, a month from now, things are going to be better. A month from now, you know, things are going to be better because the box beef is so hot. But now, complicating even that issue is going to be, hey, if there's a liquidation of cow-calf operations out here because there's no feet, what's that going to do our front end of the market? So I think that's a great question to talk about, Susan. So as you see that, what, as a cow-calf producer or a feedlot producer, what should we be thinking about? As we know demand is there for our product, but we have to worry about our bottom line as well. Yeah, I think in the short term, I don't know how deep cattle can go because I think the packers got some pressure uh, to keep cash up and give away a little bit of his huge margin to continue to kill cattle because um, just, you know, he's making a lot of money. I mean, the cutout's great, and and we're at 120, and we've been stuck at 120 for, you know, eight weeks, let's say. But if you take a look at what's down the road, I think that's what's exciting. You get out past October, you get into December of this year, February, April of next year, I think we could really see as that cycle in cattle is a longer cycle, but I really see us being firm as we get into 2022. We just got tremendous demand coming off the pandemic. It's just the producer, the feedlot owner, is not profiting the same way the packer is in good box beef prices. So, um, you know, I think time will tell, but it, it's certainly a problem that I think is going to be worked out over time, but it could be four, five, six months from now. And that's going to be where patience is going to have to be the virtue. Well, as we continue to, to look at the livestock, uh, you and I were talking before we started the Fontenelle Final Bell about this hog market, and it's definitely been oh. on fire as well. Yes, it certainly has. And we continue to see the cutout have value. And, um, you know, hog prices are looking up here uh, and then continue to do so in these summer months. And so, technically speaking, I, I don't think we've seen the top yet. I think we have higher to go. And it really makes selling the deferred contracts difficult when they're 25, 30 under the July and August hogs. So 
Uh, really hard to know what to hedge there, but I still think we have upside here in these summer months. So as we get ready to wrap up real quick, what's your one go-to we should be watching for in the next week? Well, I think it's just the weather, right? It's just, you know, I think the backdrop is demand, but weather is going to dominate now. And don't get too caught up in the gyrations of these models. Uh, I think over time we have some pretty big drivers of our weather patterns that are going to make it difficult to maybe hit those trend line yields we need to. All right. Sounds good. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Darren. Well, they can reach me uh, on the web by just looking up our website at www.waterstreetconsulting.com or on Twitter at Fry underscore WSS. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.